Welcome back to River City 360. Robert and Nolan here with you today. Last Thursday, the Winnipeg Foundation, in partnership with Make Poverty History Manitoba, held its vital conversation, Your Winnipeg in 2030, Making Poverty History. Keynote speaker Andrea Burkhardt is the executive director of End Poverty Edmonton, and she spoke about some of the strategies and values of her organization and its work in eliminating poverty in Edmonton. What started as a special council initiative in Edmonton in 2013 later became a task force and then a strategy to end poverty in a generation. Andrea emphasized the importance of having the entire community work together, even though the complexity of poverty can make this a difficult task. It's not easy to get investors to coordinate their funding together towards a cause like poverty. The work was inordinately frustrating at times, and I will say that it still is. But we have to keep going. And that's why also we have a generational view, because we know it's going to take a long time to undo this. We didn't get here overnight. Andrea noted how colonialism and its effect on relationships between Indigenous and non-Indigenous peoples is entrenched in many of the systems that perpetuate poverty. We know it will take time to repair the harm, to rectify, and to really reconcile. Reconciliation is foundational to our work at End Poverty Edmonton. Our mayor and other leaders in the community have made explicit the link between reconciliation and ending poverty, in that ending poverty is a profound act of reconciliation, and that reconciliation is a means towards ending poverty. The two are inextricably linked. Andrea also spoke about the similarities between Edmonton and Winnipeg, including similar attributes they share when it comes to how poverty disproportionately affects Indigenous people, LGBTQ people, women, people with disabilities, recent immigrants, and refugees. So it's no coincidence that the populations I talked about earlier who are impacted by poverty are also the populations generally excluded from other forms of participation. They're the populations you don't typically see on city council or in other forms of government. They're populations you don't necessarily see in other leadership positions. And that's why our definition of poverty is broad. It's not just about economic poverty. Poverty is broader than that. It's about exclusion. Who's in and who's out. So I'll share our definition of poverty with you. Edmontonians experience poverty when they lack or are denied economic, social, and cultural resources to have a quality of life that sustains and facilitates full and meaningful participation in the community. This is not about a certain amount of money at the end of the month, although that is critical, but it's about full participation in the community. And that definition really provides a basis for End Poverty Edmonton's six strategies to end poverty that Andrea outlined. The first strategy to end poverty is to eliminate racism, like big goals, right? Big, audacious goals. But you cannot extract racism and poverty from each other. The two are also inherently linked, which is why our definition is about exclusion. Our mayor talks about systemic racism, but he also reminds us that we must first identify and deal with the racism in our own hearts. Other areas that our plan focuses on are livable incomes. Poverty isn't only about money, but it is always about not having enough money. So interventions to end poverty must be about income. We are also focusing on affordable housing, because like Winnipeg, Edmonton has an affordable housing crisis. This is across the country. Families in Edmonton are spending 75% of their incomes on housing. What does that leave you at the end of the month? Accessible and affordable transit, because you can have programs and jobs and counseling, but if you can't get to them, then what good are they? The fifth area of our work is affordable and quality childcare, which not only allows parents to return to work, but the quality piece 
will permit our youngest citizens to have the tools and resources they need so that they can have full and meaningful participation in the community as they grow up. And lastly, access to mental health services and addiction supports. And all of us here will, I'm sure, no doubt understand the links between addictions, mental health, trauma, and poverty, that these are cycles that are perpetuated. You just heard Andrea Burkhart. She is the executive director of End Poverty Edmonton and was the keynote speaker at the Winnipeg Foundation's Vital Conversation, Your Winnipeg in 2030, Making Poverty History. One of the panelists, Kirsten Bernas, is on the steering committee for Make Poverty History Manitoba, and she emphasized the importance of dealing with poverty right away, that poverty has to be ended, and how widespread the issue of poverty is in our city with more than 100,000 Winnipeggers living in poverty. You know, we talked about our cold winters here in Winnipeg, and, and for some, poverty is not having anywhere safe and warm to go to survive our cold winters. It creates poor health outcomes. It creates experiences of uh, mental illness and addictions. I think by now we're all well aware of the impacts of the rising meth use in our communities, which for many is rooted in, you know, a crisis of poverty and trauma and isolation. It's having deep intergenerational impacts on our families. It's evidenced by the alarming rates of children who are being taken from their families and put into government care. And on top of these human and social costs, um, it costs us all financially, uh, whether it's in our health budgets or our justice budgets, in our lost economic productivity. We know calculations from other jurisdictions show that we pay much more for the consequences of poverty than on interventions that reduce poverty. So my intention here is not to, you know, just sort of paint this bleak picture, but to rather emphasize the seriousness of poverty and and the urgent need for action. Al Weeb, who is also on the steering committee for Make Poverty History Manitoba, shared his own lived experience of homelessness and poverty. He spent two years living on the streets after losing his job, but despite making it out of homelessness, Al found that life became even more difficult. We moved into a place that was barely affordable at the time, and it takes a long time to recover from homelessness. And not being really, really in a, in a sound state of mind at that point in time, I had a lot of difficulties dealing with the issues of p- poverty. I always say that we, we take people, lift them off the streets, which is really, really good, but we plunk them straight down into the crucible of poverty where the pressures are unrelenting. And I know how difficult that life is. And many times I just wanted to leave. I wanted to go back because we sometimes didn't have enough food, even in the early days. And when our rent was somewhat cheaper, uh, we, we fought to survive. Daily life becomes getting up at 5.30 in the morning and collecting beer cans for, uh, to meet nutritional needs. Call up with three, four dollars in beer cans and buy milk for the day. Just because people are, are, are housed after being homeless does not mean that life is okay. Jackie Anderson coordinates family group conferencing at Mama Way, which has helped reunify families and keep children from coming into care. Through her work, she's found that the barriers families face in obtaining the supports that they need to get out of poverty often keep them in poverty. All these things that we think we may take for granted, because we have, I know I have a driver's license in my wallet, I have a medical card in my wallet, and you know why? Because I have an address. Our families can't get identifications if they don't have an address where their identifications can connect them to. You need identifications in order to qualify for social assistance. 
Do you know that in order to call, get onto social assistance, you gotta make a call? You gotta go for an orientation, which is typically maybe the next week. You go in for the orientation, they're gonna give you an intake date, and then you might have to wait another two to four weeks for the intake date. That's six weeks of no service. And I guarantee it, when someone is making that phone call, they need services now. They need food now. They need housing now. When I look at, you know, even just the financial barriers right now that are created for those that are on assistance, do you know that I can't even give a gift card to one of my families who's on assistance because they could be deducted? Do you know I can't contribute $10, $15 a month for their rent to help supplement, otherwise they'll be deducted? How is that helping our families get out of the system? Jackie Anderson was one of the panelists at the Winnipeg Foundation's Vital Conversation, Your Winnipeg in 2030, Making Poverty History. And if you'd like more information on the Vital Conversation, you can visit winnipegvitalsigns.org. The panel discussion was also live-streamed in full on Facebook Live, and you can watch the full panel discussion at facebook.com forward slash WPGFDN.